Everyone say? Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to share a few verses with you. I won't uh, go long. I want to just share something, though, because we need to be challenged. Why should we be involved in missions? Why, 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 why? If you don't know why, you'll never really have an understanding of what you're doing. You'll just lose heart in it. Let me give you several reasons why, and I want to show you God's determination over this matter. Number one is the love of God. The one and the main reason that we do this is because God loves people. God is a loving God. John 3.16, God so loved, he watched and he felt sorry for everyone but didn't do anything. God so loved the world, he gave, 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 gave. God is a giver because he loves. Here's the second reason. God has compassion on people. To have compassion means to be moved with their condition. It's something you feel in your heart that stirs you to act. In Mark 1.41, Jesus saw a leper, and he saw the leper, and the Bible says he was deeply moved with a compassion for that man's condition, so much so he got involved with him, touched him, actually connected with him, and healed him. Bible tells us in Mark 9, uh, Matthew 9 and verse 35, it says, Jesus looked at the multitudes, was moved with compassion. Have you ever looked on people and seen their plight and been moved? See, one of the things with TV is it desensitizes us. We look at the, the things on the, on the uh, television and we just get unmoved. We flick channels, boring, go to something else. You're looking at a, at a war zone and there's people dying and you think nothing of it. We come and sensitize. But when we cut back on the TV and begin to get into God's plan, we see God loves people. He is passionate about people. He is moved to touch people, but he has limited himself to work through people. So God has chosen to partner with us. Listen, when Jesus was sent into the world, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. Jesus came in on a purpose. So God loves people, he's compassionate about people, and he's got something he wants to do. He's got a purpose, destroy the works of the devil. Sickness, a work of the devil. Poverty, a work of the devil. These countries like Africa have got the money. The problem is it's not available to them because it's been exploited by a few who oppress the majority. It's the same in most parts of the world. It's not that there's no resources there. They are there. But the problem is man's hardness of heart locks it up or steals. And people are hurt because of this. So Jesus purpose to destroy the works of the devil. He came and became involved personally. Fourth reason, God has given us a commission, not a suggestion. In in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says very clearly, it tells us, it says, uh, he has, he said, wait until you be clothed with power from on high and you will be well, you'll be a happy person and you'll say, we've got a great move of God going in our church. He didn't say that. He said, you will be clothed with power from on high. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you. You will get the Holy Spirit, but this is the part that you need to understand. It's for a purpose. It's not to have great meetings and another prophecy. It's not just that you can experience some good things or have revelations. It's so you can be a witness to Jesus Christ. To lay your life down, to lay our lives down for the cause of Jesus Christ. To not only do it here, Jerusalem, but also Judea, Samaria, the utmost parts of the earth. The Bible is very clear. God wants to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, not just stick locally. See, a lot of people look and they say, boy, you're doing all that stuff overseas. What about here? Well, we can do more here, I'm sure. But here's the thing we need to understand. 
You can't wait till you've done it all here before you start to do something overseas. You can't wait till it's all done here. In fact, actually, you'll find some disturbing trends in the New Testament. Let me give it to you very quickly. And uh, see, so God, God wants to touch the nations. Let me just share, share with you two more things. Take me about five to ten minutes at the most. Here it is. God is determined to send some people. God is determined to send people. In Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3, it says, I will bless you and you will become a blessing. So God started off with a man, and then out of that man, he wanted a nation that would bless the earth, the Jewish people. Now have a look at the responses of people. Here's Isaiah. Isaiah encounters, has an experience of God. His thing that he comes out with is, God, here am I, send me. Encounters with God are to bring about in our heart a desire to make him known, to let the young people know, to let the old people know. Man, we've got heaps of old people in this area. They're going to die and go to an eternal hell unless someone reaches them with the gospel. Someone. Or not me, Lord, someone else. You see some difficulties. Now, through the Bible, there's heaps of people who resisted God's call. See, it was a mandate. It's a command. It's not a suggestion to the church. It's our business is to touch people's lives with the gospel. You find Exodus chapter 4, Moses. God says, Moses, you see there's a big problem? Here's a big problem. You see all the sin out there? Oh, I see all the sin out there. You see the alcohol and the drugs and broken marriage? Oh, I see all that. He says, Moses, I'm going to send you. Uh Uh-uh, not me, someone else. And God got angry. He said, Moses, you're going to go. How about that? God got angry with Moses when Moses became reluctant to do what was dearest to God's heart to save people. Here's another one. Jonah. Jonah gets in a, Jonah gets a, Jonah's a prophet. He moves prophetically. Has visions, revelations. One day God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, that's overseas. I don't go overseas. Nineveh, I want you to go to Nineveh. See, those are the people that killed us. They don't deserve to be saved. I want them punished, Lord. They're wicked, horrible, terrible heathen. God says, go. And so he says, not me. He got a Bible says he went down into a boat and then he went down and he went a different direction. Now get this. God sent a storm. I wonder how many believers get storms unnecessarily in their lives because we will not reach out to those around us who God has sent us to. In the end, they found out who's the cause of all the storm. It's Jonah. Jonah, what's on? He says, I'm the servant of the living God. He told me to go to Nineveh. Why didn't you go? I didn't want to go. So you're saying, we've got a storm and we're all going to die because you won't go. He said, afraid that's how it is. What can we do? You better throw me overboard. Get me out of the boat. Here's another one. Peter. Peter's the great apostle, been with Jesus for three and a half years. God, God speaks to him and he sees his vision. Go to the Gentile. He sees his vision come from heaven. And God says, take a knee. He says, no, no, Lord. No, 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 no. God had to push him out of the boat, virtually. All he wanted to do was to minister to the Jews. Or putting it in today, he never wanted to go outside his city. He wanted to stay with the Jews, stay in Jerusalem. And God sent him there, and he gets there. Talk about an attitude. He said, well, you know us Jews, we're not even supposed to mix with you lot. 
said, well, we've been praying and God sent us. He, he said, you're going to come. He got a message for us. So he began to share the gospel. And while he's still talking, before he can do anything, the Holy Ghost falls on them. Get what he says then. I suppose we'd better baptize them then. Do you think we're a lot different? If you have a look at the church, where did the church begin? Where did the church begin? Jerusalem. And God's word to him were, you will receive power from on high and you'll take the word of God. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria, utmost parts of the earth. So where do they keep ministering? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. They had a revival, 3,000 here, 5,000 there, all kinds of things. Churches growing, great things happening. Oh, we're blessed. Oh, we're blessed. But the one thing they weren't doing was going to Judea, Samaria, in the utmost parts of the earth. And God's sinking. Don't you understand a clear instruction? Utmost parts of the earth. So he said, what can I do to my church to get my church to listen to my heart? And so he said, well, I've got to do something drastic because there's no way they're going to get up and get going. So they said, and this guy, Stephen, Stephen does great miracles. Everyone's impressed. Then Stephen gets murdered. And the Bible says they were shocked. And a great upheaval came and they fled. And guess what they did? They spread the gospel in Samaria and Judea. And then so God kept working on the church in Jerusalem. You know what? It so resisted going to, taking the gospel out. You know what he did in the end? He said this. I'll raise up someone else and raise up another church. Now, if you read, I'm not going to go through the scriptures. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find everything starts in Acts 1 in Jerusalem And from about Acts chapter 11, no more action in Jerusalem. Was something happening there? Yep. Were they blessed? Yep. Were they getting things happening there? Yep. Were they part of God's plan or were they part of the bigger picture now? No. What had happened now was the action shifted to Antioch, ordinary people taking the gospel out. Multiple ministries, different people going out, Paul and Barnabas going out, different people going out. It became the center of the New Testament thrust was through Paul and the church at Antioch. Why did God give up on Jerusalem, it seemed like, and then start in some other place? Just for one reason. They just would not do what he wanted them to do, which was take the gospel to not only Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and the utmost parts of the world. God calls us to go to the world. We cannot not go. We dare not not go. We must reach nations of the earth. Is there still a work to be done here? Yes, let's pursue that passionately too. Jerusalem is part of our mandate. Judea would be the area on into the nation. Uh, uh, the uh, area of Samaria would be any, any kind of culture group. We've got people here now reaching the Indian people. There's all kind of culture groups, but the utmost parts of the earth, oh, that God would raise up from here a mighty army of people that would mobilize not only for our region, but for the utmost parts of the earth. Let me just give you a little story to finish with. This is a man who made an impact with his life. It's not always easy doing this, and that we need to realize that always within everything, there's always a sacrifice. I want to share with you just briefly a, name by, a man by the name of John Patton. Anyone heard of John Patton? John Patton, some may have heard of him. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides. He was raised in Scotland. 
He was raised in Scotland in the 1700s, I think it was, and he, had a, he was raised in a small three-bedroom home, very small. There were 10 other children. And the front, home, the front room of the house was their kitchen, lounge, and bedroom. The back room was where the father had a business, and the middle room was where he had his prayer room. And every day he would go in there and pray, and he'd cry out to God. And this young son, John, heard his father praying, was deeply impacted by it, finally gave his heart to the Lord, and felt in his heart a call to go to missions. And when he spoke to his parents, said, what do you think about this call I feel in my heart? They said, while you were in the womb, we dedicated you to foreign missions. And so he had heard, he'd picked up the value system of the father of the home life. You've got to realize the next generation will pick up your value system. Don't think coming to church will give it to them. They pick it up in the home. What you really do in the rest of your days. And whether you really value God and the work of God and talk about the things of God and love God and pray in your home, it's all picked up. That's where children are mostly shaped. And so he, he married, he, he went to New Hebrides. He went to uh, some of the islands of the, uh, up there in the New Hebrides. When he landed there, they were cannibals. They were hostile. I want to read for you just, uh, just a statement that he made. He said, the hostiles circled us. And one of them was egging them on to take the first blow. And he said, we prayed. And as we stood there, I suddenly saw the Lord looking down on us. And he said, an unusual peace came. And I realized I was immortal until I had finished doing what God called me to do. Isn't that an amazing thing? He prayed and he persisted there for, for almost a decade. Finally, in the end, he got, God gave him an idea. He, he dug this well, went down 30 feet. The natives were terrified, man bringing water up from the earth. He built this well, and the well watered the people. That opened their hearts to him. Eventually, he had 12 converts. And uh, the chief of the village came, and some others started to come. They came to him, and he said, he, and, and it tells the date in the book of the day when he had his first communion service. He said, I gave the bread and the cup to hands which had once slain lives and then eaten them. And he said, as I did it and gave them the emblems of Christ's love, I suddenly felt overwhelmed with the love of God for these people and realized what Christ had done for them. Finally, his wife died, his child died. He buried his family in New Hebrides and he stayed there until he died. I want you to just finish with these couple of things that just a quote from what he what he wrote as he dug a grave with his own hands next to his house to put his wife and his child and he said I was never forsaken by God the everlasting Lord sustained me as I lay those precious to me in the dust next to my house where whenever this place turns to the Lord Whenever this place is one for Christ, men in years to come will find the memory of that spot still green, where with ceaseless prayers and tears I claim the land for Christ, in which I buried my loved ones with faith and hope. It's written on his grave if you go there. When he arrived, there was not one saved. When he died, there was not one unsaved. What one person can do if they determine to make their life count for Christ. 
Father, we just thank you that in every generation you've had men who paid a price for others to come to Christ. Lord, help us to break through the spirit of self-indulgence and apathy that's in our region and to walk in the spirit of the kingdom, a spirit that loves, is moved with compassion, and is willing to sacrifice. Lord, we make our lives available to you for the great work of harvest, not only here, but in other nations. Father, may what this man did when he sowed his life and his loved ones into New Hebrides, Lord, be an inspiration for us to give our very best for you because you gave your very best for us. Thank you, Lord. As I was preparing this, I just felt again a tremendous love of God for people. How he loves people and how he longs for someone. He longs so much for you to do something about lost people. He will disturb your condition or he'll find someone else that will. But he's going to win the city. He's going to win this nation. He's going to win nations. The whole earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. The big question is how much we play a part in it. Bay City, let's make our stand say, God, we want to give our very best. Our very best. Amen. Why don't we just stand together? We just need to have a suitable song.